Yes. The heavenly voices of the Resurrection Gospel Ensemble who bring a little bit of heaven on earth every time they sing. Bless you. Thank you. Bless God. Praise God. And one of our greatest passions as a congregation is to serve and love our community. We cannot keep that love in these walls. We take it out. We sing it. We share it. And Friday night, just to let you in on some good news, the Gospel Ensemble sang at Creston Missionary Baptist Church and rocked the house. <laughs> and I understand that, uh, that Goldie over here did the, uh, did the greeting on behalf of Resurrection. And I understand she started out by saying, giving all the glory to God. <laughs> and, uh, and then just continued to give out our address and just let them know. We got out the good word. So... Uh, we do send God's love to the community. It is a joy and a privilege. And it is at the very heart of our passion. And in fact, today, our guest preacher is one who has made a mission of connecting various churches together in our community. One who offers a sense of service and spirit and justice to our community. He was ordained in 1996 with the Christian Church Disciples of Christ, still holds that ordination, which is also recognized by the United Church of Christ. His first real connection here at Resurrection was at the Interfaith Pride Service in 2008. I think he had to duck his head to get into our sacristy back here for the lineup. But since then has continued to minister with us, participated in our marriage equality, ceremony in February of 2009. Oftentimes worships here at 9 o'clock. He's also a member of Bethany Christian Church on Westheimer and ministers with that congregation as well. And it is an honor and a privilege today to welcome one who has a heart for service and a passion for our community. Let's give a great big warm resurrection welcome to Reverend Michael Richter. Let's give him some love today. Well, thank you all. It is a privilege and a pleasure to be with you this morning to bring the word. Um, part of what Dwayne didn't tell you, and he doesn't know I'm going to tell this story, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, <laughs> part of what he didn't tell you was that my participation in the Pride Interfaith Service in 2008 was at the very last possible moment. I don't know if he remembers that or not. The person who was scheduled to give the closing blessing as the clergy were gathered in the sacristy said he didn't want to do it. And Dwayne turned to the rest of us and said, so who will? And I said, oh, sure, why not? But, um, you know, it's just been that kind of stuff. But um, it is a pleasure to be with you this morning. Um, I've been in Houston since March of 2005, and in that time had the privilege of serving two different congregations. For two and a half years, I was the director of children's ministry at Bethany Christian Church, where I'm still a member. And then for a year and a half, served as the associate minister for Christian education at First Congregational Church of Houston. Um, and in that time period, had the opportunity to work with a number of children and youth, try to help teach them what it means to be a Christian and to follow Christ and to, to learn about themselves. Um, but I'm also convinced, whether I taught them anything or not, that they taught me some things. One of the things I came to really appreciate about children is their capacity to wonder and to dream 
And several different times in the course of these last few years, I've had the opportunity to listen to young people dream about what it is they want to be when they grow up. You know, those possibilities are just endless. When you ask a young person what he or she wants to be when they grow up, anything is possible. And I can remember for myself, one of the dreams that I had as a young man involved lots of time playing with cars, imaginary play about automobiles, because I thought I was going to be the greatest car salesman in the world. <laughs> now, there are, some, there are some who would argue, and I hope there aren't any of you here this morning, but there, were some, there are some who would argue that there's not much difference between a preacher and a used car salesman. <laughs> I hope there's at least some. Now, I'm also sure that if we were to take a poll this morning to ask each of you what you wanted to be when you were growing up, that there would be a wide variety of response. The President of the United States, a teacher, a lawyer, an architect, an inventor, a cook. But none of us ever dreamed about being mediocre. When we were young, we all aspired to be the greatest. None of us said when we were little, I think when I grow up I want to be small. <laughs> now I'm not talking about shrinking in size. We know that's not that possible. I'm talking about being small the way the world defines it. In terms of power or prestige. Talking about being more of a servant than a master. But this is exactly what Jesus is telling his disciples. It's exactly what he's asking them to aspire to when he brings this young child into their midst and says to them, whoever welcomes one like this welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. I don't know about you, but I look at the world in which we live and I see people obsessed with obtaining power and authority. So much so that if you hear someone talk about their career and they're not just racing their way up the corporate ladder, sometimes we wonder, well, I wonder what's wrong with her. Why doesn't she want to do that? Why doesn't she want to be successful? I don't have an answer for that, friends. There are lots of people in our world today who aspire to what we would call greatness. And that's all fine and good, but the problem is, what does it mean to be great? Greatness can mean many different things to many different people. And as the old line says, the devil lies in the details. So we need to go back just a minute and understand what was happening with Jesus and his disciples they're walking along the road, and the disciples get engaged in a conversation. Not just any conversation, but they're wondering, am I his favorite? Am I the best? Am I the greatest? And Jesus steps in and redirects the conversation to help them understand. Now, in the ancient Near East, in the world in which Jesus lived and ministered, children were non-persons. They didn't really exist. They were the property of their parents, most often their father, because, you know, women didn't have status either. Fortunately for us, we live in a world that's rejected all of that, and we claim children as very important 
and recognize childhood as a time of innocence and wonder. And yet Jesus found that that was not possible in his lifetime. It was very rare for a child to be found among a teacher like Jesus and his disciples. They stayed home. They were inconsequential. One author that I read this week said, children in Jesus' time were socially invisible. And yet, here comes Jesus and puts a child in the midst of the twelve and says, this is my proxy. This is my stand-in. So Jesus wasn't just telling the disciples about welcoming children. He was talking about welcoming everyone. Everyone in the world who might think of himself or herself as socially invisible. Those who the world calls inconsequential or those who feel marginalized. And isn't it interesting how the, over the course of 2,000 years, ministering to the socially invisible has driven a wedge through the middle of the church. Throughout the, its history, different groups have been labeled as socially invisible. Sometimes it was because of gender. Sometimes it's been because of race. Others have been declared socially invisible because of what they believe. Still others are socially invisible to the church because of who they love and the families they choose to create for themselves. Now, I don't want to shock any of you this morning. But, you know, not every church that calls itself a Christian congregation is as welcoming as this one is. You might be surprised to know that. You might even be more surprised to know that some of those places that aren't so welcoming are right here in Houston. And some of them aren't so far from this place. But thank God, the good news is that here at Resurrection and at places like it, other progressive, forward-thinking congregations, Christians are making strides toward becoming the greatest, toward becoming the people that Jesus has called them to be, to be welcoming, to be embracing of everyone. Now, I often wondered... Did the disciples know Jesus was listening? Or were they like so many of us, thinking they could get away for just a minute from their parent, their teacher, their boss, and have a conversation they know they shouldn't be having? It doesn't matter to who's the greatest, but here they are talking about it. And somehow, Jesus manages to intervene he knows that the disciples have been arguing about a position of greatness in the, in the kingdom. And he tells them that they are just way out of line. And then he tells them why. He says to them that the kingdom of God is not about greatness and power. It's about service and sacrifice. It's about giving ourselves to serve those socially invisible, marginalized people in the world who can give us nothing in return. When we get big, one author said, our desire should be to become small. This is one of my favorite teaching techniques of Jesus. He takes something that the world understands and he just completely turns it upside down. He radically changes the disciples' expectations of what it means to be the greatest. He says that the greatest one is the one who serves quietly in the background. The person whose name you don't see on the screen or in the bulletin 
or on a billboard. He says that the greatest is the one who serves simply because another human being finds herself in need. I think that's what the church ought to be about. Serving those who cannot help themselves, who don't have a voice. And so if we as Christians aspire to be the greatest, as Jesus defines it, we're called to be servants. That's our challenge, to answer Christ's call to service, to be the greatest, not as the world defines it, but according to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So when you go out of this place today, go out into the world ready to be great. Amen.